Welcome home, Zevi. Very excited. I want to share this with you. Very excited that you're here. I want to share this with you at Momo. I want to learn a Rashi with the Hevra, a little more of the Ian. It's a Rashi all of us learn. And it's a new year, my friends. It's always Rosh Hashanah, Aser Simei after the Chag, and you're supposed to be fresh. I'll be honest, I'm, I don't like, you know, everybody has their own personal avoid and things we share with each other, things we don't share with each other. I'm thinking a lot about newness this year. The world turned. All of our worlds were racked, and I feel the most in my life a sense that we can begin new now. I know the situation is not past, but I just feel that the world the way we knew it was rock. So let's start new. Let's be fresh. Why not? I have, I, I've, I'm coming with a certain freshness. It's normally hard, things we know already, Moe, and things we heard, to be fresh is hard, Maish. Oh, I heard it. You know, like two old friends who have the same jokes? A husband and a wife. My wife knows all my jokes, all my stories. Like, okay, here goes again. It's hard to be fresh with your old story. So my wife's very nice about it. And she'll listen to that story a thousand times. But it's hard to be fresh about the story we heard already. And in Torah, the Torah has so much to tell us, to work on us. If we can be willing to open up again and to hear again and to be inspired again, there's so many places we can get if we're willing to be fresh and learn fresh. I feel like this year, it's all about newness. It's easier to be new, Viggy. The world's racked. Let's be new. It's a different world. You don't need normal, in, in a normal year, let's call it, to be new and to be fresh is like mechatesi. Everything's the same. The Mets are losing. Everything's going the same. Mechatesi. Today, a sports game has no athletes, let's be new. Has no fans. At the basketball stadium, there's no fans. You know, my, let's be new. The w- restaurants, there's only outdoor eating. Let's be new. Zevi, it's a shtickle, my motto. Anything you could think of. Every, I want differences today than normal, than we're in the past. Everybody here, let's go. Examples of differences, things that are different. Sports game has no fans. So, n- next one. Give me a difference, Chavra. Spit them out. People wear masks on their face. Let's be new. Shoes. Stress, this, that, let's be new. Debates canceled, Riot. let's be new. Riots. Riots on the streets, let's be new. Test before you come to school, let's be new. <laughs> and what was that? And after, let's be new. It's a new world, my friends, let's be new. 
It's a shtickle matter. It's so easy to be new now, Zevi. The world's new anyway, so let's be new. So I, let's be new, Moe. I learned a Rashi. I learned yesterday, and let's learn it new. So are you ready like this? All of us learned from when we're little kids in on Ezra that Nayak was a tzaddik bidai reisav in his generation. God tells us about Nayak. Tzaddik tamim haya bidai reisav. He was a tzaddik in his generation. Machloik is tanayim. Says Rashi, one group of Rabbi Seinu, one group of Tanayim say, in his generation he was a tzaddik. But if he would have been in Avram Avinu's generation, he wouldn't have been anything. In his group he was Dach tzaddik. <laughs> Compared to his chavri, he was a tzaddik. If he would have been Avram's, Avram's generation, he wouldn't have been anything. One Chazal. That's how they read the Pasa, because it's Sadiq in his generation, in the generation of Avram anything. Another group say, even his generation is a Sadiq. Imagine in a good generation. Imagine in a good generation. You know, I'm called for Shadduchim all the time. I don't want to embarrass Yaki. So let me, let's say it rhymes with the name like Flatter. Let's say like a guy's name would be something Flatter. Rhymes, a rhyme of something flatter. So I'm called up for a shidduch. So I say, And I say, no matter what yeshiva, if he'd be in BMG, he'd be considered a masmid. Like, don't say, okay, okay, you know, there he's a masmid. If he'd be in BMG, be, it's not relative. He's a masmid wherever you go. So the second pshat chazal says, was a tzaddik in his generation, means even in his generation. If he'd be in Avram Avinu's generation, he'd be a bigger tzaddik. Now, is Sidkus relative? You're only a tzaddik like compared to your chevra. It's relative. It's a competition. Well, compared, I'm better than the other guys at least. The first thing Revolba said in learning Rashi knew, Zevi, my whole life, I, I like, didn't think enough deeply into this Rashi. I have two Rabbi Senu. One Rabbi Senu say, in his generation it's tzaddik, in a good generation he wouldn't have been so good. And another pshat in Rashi says, in his generation, Tzaddik, even in his difficult, imagine in a bigger generation, Avram's. So I always, when I learned the Rashi superficially, David, I thought it's like a race. If you think about it, says Revolba, you see that you should, you're not supposed to compare to the people around you. Because according to both Tanayim, we're asking ourselves, what would he have been in Avram's generation? Why are you asking that? He wasn't in Avram's generation. The answer is, you're not supposed to be a relative tzaddik, just be a tzaddik. So the question of Nayach was, yeah, in your generation of tzaddik, what would you have been in Avram's generation? One rabbi saying who says he wouldn't have been good, only in his generation, in Avram's generation, wouldn't have been good. One says, certainly in Avram. You see, the question of every person is not relative to people around you. Be a tzaddik, you yourself, I've spoken a lot during Corona, I've spoken a lot about a person within himself, not comparing, not needing the flattery, not judging yourself compared to others, or how the Chevrat Shul perceives you. I did an interview with the Bachar Yeshiva just last week. I was describing to the parents that we're a Yeshiva. I want a guy to be a tzaddik. I don't want it to be that the people in the shul, when he comes home Pesach, he's not going to look off from. His sitkus is not that the shul votes by a vote of 60 to 58 that he's the chetzadik. We're not that type of place that the sitkus is like Yosef Sandler came back to Pesach and we're going to have a Pesach vote. 
I wanted Sidkus that's internal, that's real, that's absolute. It's not in the eyes of this one, in the eye. It's a Sidkus because it's Sadik inside, because that's what he is. Says Revolba, the person should be at Sadik and Avram's door, nothing to do with his door. And then the Machloika says, was Nayach. But you see that it's important to question what would he have been in a different door? Because it's not just compared to people around you. Now, this is what I want to talk about. I want to share with you, I come from Nevardik. Let me tell you my roots. My Rebbe is a Nevardik. He married the altar of Nevardik's great-granddaughter. And I come from Nevardik. It's a fascinating world. We'll talk about it over the year. We have a year together, Mayor. I want to talk to you about Nevardik. But not everything right now. But I want to share with you a gorgeous pshat. The altar is not the only one who says it. But if you're a Nevardik, you're going to quote the altar Nevardik. Tough luck. So there are others who say this. I want to share from the altar Nevardik. What is going on here, the Machlaikis? God says Nayach was a tzaddik as in generation. One pshat is even in his generation. Imagine if he would have been in a better generation. And another pshat is only because of his generation. Now, I want to explain it deep, much, much deeper. Please, please listen to this. Much deeper. And I'll tell you, why does it need a deeper pshat? You don't have a right just to say what you want. The MS, I want to tell you, why would the Torah knock Nayach? Read the Pesukim. Ela told us Nayach. It speaks about Nayach. We mentioned Nayach is Tzadik. Nayach is Tzadik. The Torah says it's a eulogy. It says a Hesper on Nayach. He's a Tzadik. Tamim. Tamim means he had good Midas. You could be a Tzadik ben Adam Lamakim, but not have good Midas. He was a Tzadik Tamim. Ben Adam Lechaver, ben Adam Lamakim. Both. He was a complete tzaddik, midas tivis, complete tzaddik. Why would it all of a sudden Yehuda knock? But the of only in his. Why does Hashem take a swipe at him? He's in the middle of praising him. Hashem just like in the mood, like, like once, you know, give a little swipe. In the context of the Pasuk, why would it bash him? It's not even what's. By the way, why does it say compliments? So Chazal say, Zecher Tzadik Levracha. When you mention a Tzadik, you should say something nice about him. I like when speakers mention the Shagasarya, they say something about the Shagasarya. I want to start doing that in the Yeshiva more. I want guys to know, you say the altar of Nevardik, I want you to know about him. He was in Russia. He was a tremendous idealist. The altar of Nevardik was working. He was a businessman. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter gave him Musser. That you too, Rabbi Yisrael told him you have too much flour on your hands. Too much flour. It was, a, it was an expression. He was saying that you're way too involved in your business. He took his Rebbe's Musser and closed the business, locked himself in a room. His plan was to stay for seven years, not to leave. They brought meals to the room. Seven years to learn in the room 24-7, 365, never to leave. It's a machloikis how long, if he was in the room two years or three years, they're different shittas. But he locked in a room. He didn't make seven years because the altar of Kelm came and yelled at him that the world needs him. Eventually, he left the room. He started 86 yeshivas around Russia, his Talmidim. Some of his famous Talmidim was, that, was, was, was the stipler, Reb Chaim Kanievsky's father. The stipler was a Talmud, amongst other many famous Talmudim. Reb Chaim Shmulev, it's the Rashiva of the Mir. His father was a son-in-law of the altar of Nevardik. His father was a Talmud and son-in-law. Reb Chaim Shmulev, it's his father. So a lot of great people, a lot of great Talmudim. You didn't hear of most of his Talmudim because the Nazi animals and the Russian animals killed most of his Talmudim. Most of them were killed. Between the Russians and the Germans, they killed most of his people were killed. There were, very, there were times entire yeshivas were shot dead. 
There were yeshivas that were gunned down. Most of his yeshivas did not survive the war. So that's why very few are remaining today. There were a few that survived. In France, there was a Yidri of Gershon Liebman, who was a big Talmud of the altar of Nevardic made a yeshiva in France. It's a little packets. The last Nevardic yeshiva in the world you're sitting in right now is Waterbury, Connecticut. Why it's Nevardic? Give me a year or two or three to explain it, but not right now. Like this, Rabbi say. So the altar of Nevardic said, what is it that Hashem's like taking a swipe at Noach? Noach was a tzaddik in his generation. Nah, only in his generation. In another generation, he wouldn't have been a tzaddik. What's, what's the whole reason it praise Noyach is Zecher Tzadik Levracha. You mention it Tzadik, so you say a nice praise, a good habit. You speak about the altar. I just told you a little about the altar. You say something nice. So it mentions Noyach, so it says something nice. So why does it give a swipe? Just like beat him up. Noyach was Tzadik, his generation. You say that one word, that cynical word. Noyach <laughs> Tzadik in his generation. What are you getting so cynical? You were saying a nice thing. In Hilchos Lashon Hara, it says you can't obsessively praise somebody. If you praise somebody too much, I know guys get married and they talk too much about something, let's say their family, and then a guy comes crying to me, she makes fun of my family. As I'll tell you why she makes fun of your family. A guy came, we had recently. A guy said, the girl makes fun of my, he's going to listen to the tape of the shit, and I want him to hear this. My wife made fun of my family. My wife made fun of us, it's such a hard thing. She shouldn't make fun. You know why she made fun of his family? If I would go to you, Rabbi say, if I would go to you, I'd say, did you ever see something so white in your life? Hever, you ever saw anything whiter? You ever saw in your life? No. You're not. You ever saw a white? You're going to, what's the natural thing to do, Binyamin? You're going to show me, Kalish, white? Hey, that's not so hard, eh? <laughs> when you, if, to any person in the world, you see, you ever saw a whiter thing? The second you say that, I see all the dark. I didn't see the stains till you said that. <laughs> the guy's like, his family, his family, his family. So it's natural. She's being critical. Stop putting your family's perfection in her face. And she'll stop seeing flaws. It's not, she's just being normal. You're, you're, going, you're putting in her family. My family, my family. Come, let her be. Let her breathe. Let her, let her not like your family. Let her, if, you just say, if you just say, I white your family, she's going to show you they're a little dark. Like, knock it off. It's just that she's just being normal. So in halacha, you're not allowed to overly praise somebody because if you obsessively praise, you say, look how white, look how white. The natural thing is he's not perfect. And you say some flaws. So in Hilchus Lashna, you can't overly praise because you're causing somebody to say negative. Here's God speaking. He praises Nayach. He's a tzaddik. B'midas, tamim, midas, everything. of only in his generation, in a better generation. He went, <laughs> what's Hashem taking a knock at Nayach for? Says the altar of Nevardic like this. People think in our generation, people think, how many guys, I got two days ago two calls, a bachram from top yeshivas, I promise you two days ago, two calls, top yeshivas, I'm broken, Rebbe, you should know what I'm looking at, what I'm seeing, top guys and top yeshivas. See, I think it's a, this generation, Rabbi said, we're in a very difficult generation. Very, very difficult generation. People look at us, they, people look serious people. I've seen big tzaddikim look at us and say, I feel so bad, I really feel bad with you. We're in a tough generation. The exposure, the hardest kid in my class, the hardest, I'm a few years old, I'm a little kid, I'm still a kid. The hardest kid in my class 
He didn't see. He didn't see wrong. I remember he went to a bar. I, like comical. He went to a bar. It was like the biggest news in the world. The guy went to a bar. It wasn't so appropriate. There were ladies not dressed so well. It was like heavy news in the class. We were tumbling. My good friend, we were like hacking and handling. It was like a zan. Nobody in my class had a cell phone. There were no cell phones. I'm four years old. I'm, I'm your age. I'm the same age as you. I'm just like a few, in the few days between my birthday and your birthday, things change. By my, I'm a few days older than you, but by my birthday, there were no cell phones. But not only you didn't have, if, let's say, and today if you keep your kid from a cell phone, his friend has a cell phone. His friend doesn't, both their friends have. The access today is nearer. There's access like never before, and the home is stressful like never before. This is set up by Hashem, the controller of the world. We've never had more stress in the home. That's my personal belief. The homes, we can analyze why. I don't care why. I'm telling you just facts. Homes are very stressful. There's like massive combustible. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a stressful place. And access. Hey. What's going to happen? And kids at young ages see and don't know what to do with it. You know, it used to be you could see on a kid in my class, young ages. I have good eyes for these things. I could see on a kid in about 13 seconds that he went through trauma. You could see the ways a guy moves his hands. You could see it. Today, all the signs are off. Because when a kid's exposed in a tough home, all the signs are off. He acts like he has trauma because he was exposed at young ages before he had any system to deal, to figure out. He's exposed, crazy, hyper-exposed. So you have stressful homes, you have ex- access and exposure, and you put the two together. So people, honest people, look at our generation like, wow. <laughs> you guys, what, 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 what the people have today is nerve. I think we're like the luckiest generation in the history of the world. That's my opinion. I think Hashem loves us. We're like the, we're like the prize generation. I'll tell you why. The guy in my class could be like, was, was, you know, was, I'll tell you something funny. Let me tell you something funny. There's a true mice. I'm sharing it. I have to share. I don't live my life. Interactions with people are not good for another schmooze. We have plenty to talk about learning Torah. I don't need a good story. I want to share this because I want to bring out the Alter Nevardik's point. I want to tell you this. I'm doing an interview at the Bacher. I'm saying it as it happened. I'm doing an interview at the Bacher. And in the middle of the interview, the kid goes to the facilities. So the mother says to me, mom says to me, she said, I want to be honest. She whispers. You know, she started whispering. I knew it was going to get exciting. She said, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're here. I, I see there's no husband. My husband's not here. See, so, yeah, okay, I noticed. She said, he's not here. He called this Rebbe and asked this Rebbe, what do you think? This Rebbe said, better to float in a mainstream. You should float than to go there. Better to float in a mainstream. Okay, so my husband's not here. His Rebbe said, don't send him float mainstream. I said, okay, okay thanks for sharing that. The kid comes back. I say, I'm going to do something. I say to the mother, 
I'm going to do something now that I asked Mechila before. You know, my Rebbe, when we were in, in ninth grade, my Rebbe was a wonderful Rebbe and he had a rule, if you called out, it cost you a quarter. Now that makes me sound old. It was just like Ishmak. A quarter was the same. As, and I sang, back in the day, a quarter was a lot of money. No, a quarter was a quarter back in the day. I'm, four, I'm, I'm, I'm 28. A quarter was a quarter back then and now, 28-year-old. But that was just the facts, that my Rebbe, if you called out, you, you owed him a quarter. That was how it was. You didn't have a quarter, get out of the class. You called out, you flicked a quarter. Hey, what happens when the whole class goes, oh! That's a, that's a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You called out, it was a quarter. I don't remember. That's a good, good Shiloh. Good Shiloh. Tully. Oh, I love that. So my friend is a sharp guy. He's a Rashiva today. He's a great guy. The Rebbe said something. He had a really funny reply. He flicks a quarter to the Rebbe and said the joke. It was great. It was great. He flicks a quarter to the Rebbe and said the joke. It was like, it was like wonderful. The Kitzur Advarim is, so that's what I feel here. Like I flicked the kid a quarter before I asked. I said to the kid that I ask you, Mechila, and Mom, I'm going to ask you, Mechila. Here she whispered while he was in the bathroom. I said that there's a farce going on here. I said, I'm supposed to meet your kid. I'm supposed to behave. I'm supposed to behave. Kalish, be a nice boy. I'm, I'm, I'm not such a well-behaved guy. I said, there's a lie that goes on here. You're sitting here, and the Shiloh to you and your husband is your floating son. And should we go to Waterbury? My son's floating. The floating, like, has a mashmois. He's not so excited by a Rashi. You know, a Rashi doesn't, he's not so into Tysus. He doesn't like Pereshua. His style's more bikiyus, not bi'iyun. So Rebbe, your husband went to his Rebbe. Doch. My son is, doch. he's not a big Pnei So the Rebbe said, better, he doesn't learn Pnei Yeshua's than he goes there. That's the Pesach. So there's a lie going on. Said there are no floaters today. What a lie. Said, welcome to today. There are no floaters. I said, you're in the wrong world. Ask your Rebbe, your son's watching, Kol Dover Usser. Your son does not show him his Shabbos. He's in his room on his cell phone. And call up your Rebbe and ask him that. Don't get me floating nonsense. He said, do you know your son? Meet your son. Shalom. She says, really? He's like, mm. <laughs> he's going to kill me. I don't know. I'll tell you what room number he's in if you want. But it doesn't matter. The, the kid's like, the mother's like, really? The kid's like, <laughs> floating. There's no floating today, my friends. There's no floating we live in a world, there's no floating. The access, there's too much access. Floating, you drive. I'm listening to the radio, to the radio with my kids to a ball game. You have to turn off the commercials. The radio. They're crazy on television. A commercial is, is X-rated. It's poor. You don't, know, also, you don't watch poor. Now you watch a Yankee game. The commercials are sugar. You go, my wife likes walking. It's her favorite activity in the world. So we go on many walks. Geschmack. We walk here, we walk there. In the winter, it's frigid. Waterbury's cold. Hashem. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Mayor, our Chavon Mayor. Any LA guy, my heart goes out to. The winters here are cold. I get nervous right? when a day it's like 50, the LA guys, it's so cold. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. I'm so scared for Yaakov. We have, we have Benjamin from Arizona. We have Yaakov from South Africa. I feel so badly like the wet and they start complaining at 50 they don't know what to do with it it is cold here now me and dan we're skiers bring it on 15 degrees got a hunter my is a skier you attack a man you got to become a skier or a board or something like that the kids are at varm is 
is that um, is that I lost my thought. That's the kids' red yeah, Floating. What? Oh, so during the winter, I can't go on a walk with my wife. It's frigid. She doesn't like cold weather. So we, where do we do? We walk in the mall. We walk in the mall. What do you do? But the mall's closed. They have to nine. So the movies are open to like two, three, four in the morning. So you enter from the movie section, and then we get the mall to ourselves. Now, I can't stand malls. For a man, a lot of princes. So I like walking after hours. So my wife and I will walk in the mall after hours. And this, you go, I always say, if our car breaks down, Rach, we're in deep trouble. Go explain this to Chavayim or Atzal or anybody. Yeah, we were just going for a walk. In the mall. We go in the movie <laughs> entrance. Huh? Like, go explain this way. You talk about this is really good for reputation. But we go all the time. We've met Bachram there already. <laughs> then I quickly, they probably know, I quickly go on a walk now. Like, <laughs> I've met guys there many a time. I've met a guy there. The bottom line is I walk in the mall. We go right through the movie section and we go on a nice walk. The bottom line is, Baruch our car is never broken down, but I have met a lot of guys, that they see you there. Like, hmm. <laughs> I just, oh, I'm always at the other movie. But anyway, <laughs> the bottom line is, is that we walk there. The kids are, you know, there are places in the mall, it should, the guys, people should be arrested for indecent exposure. I'm talking an empty mall. There are pictures, they're not normal, that, that any human being should see this, that it's legal is meshuggah. Not it's disgusting, it's crazy. It's crazy. We live in a crazy generation. My, we have, I know the sections in the mall. I walk with my head down and my wife's like, hey, you can put it back up now. There many, my head's down a lot in that mall. There are many sections that if you're human, you shouldn't have your head up. Meshugayim, crazy. We're human beings. What's the, what's the thought? People should get arrested for such things. Literally arrested. In 1960, in America, my Rebbe was on a bus in Philadelphia. A lady was kicked off. Her pants were too tight. The bus driver said, get off the bus. It's inappropriate. In 1960, in Philly, a lady was kicked off the bus for being too princess. We live in an age today. Hashem raised us in this age. So we un- we're unlucky. I want to say to every guy here, I think we are the most blessed generation that ever existed on the face of the earth. Because I want to say that there's no such thing called the floater. It's a nonsense. We actually, the, the guy's living in a different planet, the floater. Better to float. He's saying that there's a yeshiva called Waterbury designed to ignite a fire. We don't need fires. Better to float. He's basically saying everybody should die, mass suicide. There are no floaters today. Nobody not in the grave is floating. He's from a different generation. Floaters, I knew floaters. I had guys in my class. They, they would do very nice guys. They never learned. They never dived. They never did anything wrong either. What were you going to do? If you wanted to do something wrong, what were you going to do? So you floated. Gishmak, it's a nice guy. What is he, a cute guy. There was a bala bus of old that didn't learn that said to him, Sadik, Mamish Midas Taivas, Sidkus. There were great people in earlier generations that, and you always had to do good things to be good. But to say that there was something called, you can basically float. Hashem took a generation and said, there's no floating. You have no choice. A guy calls Meretz Today I got to call him. Where is your guy from Meretz Rabbi, what do I do? You have to stay. What am I supposed to tell you? You got to go on fire. You have no choice. Sorry. What am I supposed to tell you? I don't have a trick to not be on fire and to, and to do anything today. You're dead if you're not on fire. Everybody knows that. You have no choice but to be excited by Torah. You have no choice. 
There's no such thing anymore. I don't say you have to learn. I'm not a faker. You don't have to learn 12 hours a day. If you are not excited by Tyra, you're dead today. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how to say it better. You know it's true. I know it's true. If you're not ignited in Ruchnius, people send their kids to Waterbed with like an attitude. I'll be happy if he's just a mensch. <laughs> Let him be a floater. They, they don't know what they're talking about. Just a mensch. I, you know, they're like, you're in a different generation. You want, I don't have time machines. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Here, I want a guy to be on fire with Ruchnius. I want him to be on fire because there is no other answer. There's no other answer. We all have role models in our life. A Zayda was Mamish Malach. We all want to be that Zayda, except you can't. Not in this generation. And by the way, for you to be a Zayda, you have to be on fire with time. I don't have to learn all day. You have to be able to learn a Rashi and lose your mind. That much you have to be able to. There's no other hope. Learn something, an area of Torah that lights a fire by you. Ruchnius that matters. What's the other choice? There's a world of access and a world of pain and there's loneliness and people are craving. You have no choice but to connect to something meaningful and passionately. There's no choice, none, zero. Any intelligent person knows I'm speaking the truth. Says Chazal, Nayak's motivation for Tzidku, said the Hashem is not bashing Nayak when it says his generation, there was two pshatim. One is despite his difficult generation, he was a tzaddik. So that's a compliment, certainly in a better generation. The others said that his generation caused the tzitkos. There was no choice in Nayak's generation. There was no choice but to be on fire. He had no choices. Nayak was an honest man. He had no choice. It was a generation, things were raging like ours. The only choice was Tzedkos. In a regular generation, he wouldn't have had that drive for Tzedkos. His generation produced the Nayach. He was a man on fire with Ruchnius. You know what produced him as generation? What other choice? Any sane individual knew. What was your other choice? I think the access is a gift to you and I. I only hope that we don't stop there, that we don't say, okay, I'm a tzaddik by force. The goal is to then become an independent tzaddik. The goal is then to take it further. But tzaddikus is like no option. Okay, what should I do? You have to get into ruchnius. You have to get into prayer. You got you to get connected to good things and passionately. What's your other choice in a generation? In a generation of access, in a generation, where are you going to run, my friend? Where you can't go on a walk in the winter without seeing like stuff. There's not like you have to go to a site and punch in. I, don't, I have a simple phone. This is walking with my wife and you have access craziness. Meshuggah, not normal. This is driving. I drive. I'm a driver. I should look down. I'll get into accidents. There are billboards that are meshuggah. Craziness. Craziness. You want, I like a ball game. I like the Mets. You can't watch. I love watching a giant game. You can't watch a commercial without Dvarim Asurim Neiram. Crazy. We're human beings. We're human, dignified human beings. There's no choice but to be passionate about Ruchnius. There's no options. We're a lucky generation. Now we have to take it further. We can't stop there. 
But Noyach was a tzaddik as a generation means that the response to such a generation was a response that forced Sedgus. And that was the source of Noyach Sedgus. Avram Avinu Sedgus was from Zechalein, was from Abiko Shaemes. It wasn't a response to the times he lived in. Noyach Sedgus was a response. You couldn't be normal. You had to be a tzaddik. And that's what it means in his generation. He, he needed that motivation. If he lost that motivation, he wouldn't have been a tzaddik. He wouldn't have been anything, but he had no choice. What was, he, what was the other choice? What was the alternative? Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with starting there. Noyach, according to one shot, stayed there. And it's, he's a tzaddik. He's called, he's, the Torah says, Eidos, he's a tzaddik. The goal is to take it further, is to, is to capture it, is to make sure it's not just the response to the society. I'm not just protecting myself. Once I have tzitkos, so let, it, let it be more important to me. Let it take, let it be, let, let, let me advance past that. But the starting point of Nayak tzitkos was a response to his generation. There was no choice but to be ignited. If this doesn't ring, this altar of Nevardik, if it wasn't like a prophecy for our generation, then I'd never heard a bigger, then I, then I don't know what prophecy is. This is Mamish, a prophecy, Rabbi say for our generations. Noyach was a tzaddik in his generation. Lignai, the negative aspect, is that the source of his sedko, so it's not ripping Noyach, it's telling where this man come from. What caused the Noyach Dairaisav? It's part of knowing about his history. It's not a rip. It's not a swipe at him. It's the starting point. Now, there's an aspect of Gnai if he stopped there, and it seems he stopped there. It's still a Tzidkus. But if you want to know the Shirish of his Tzidkus was the race of his generation. He was a person who was alive and real and responded to the generation. Anybody, any guy knows I speak the truth. A guy's only chance today is to be passionate, a passionate connection to God, a guy let alone a Yid who has more expected and more desires. The only hope is passionate connection, sincere, authentic connection. You can't pretend today. Hashem took away pretend. The guy in my class who was going through the motions, he was Gishmaka pretend. Today, Gishmaka pretend is exposed in his bedroom over and over. There's no Gishmak pretend. There is no choice but to connect real. If you know anything about people who go to more help, they talk about connections to God. They talk about prayer. It's our generation. Hashem made an amazing generation that he left us no choice but for authenticity. No choice. There is no floater left. That like Shiloh, better yours. Better he's floating, but he ain't floating. (laughs) Floating where? Floating my foot. Floating, he's better floating. Like the picture of this Ernst guy, Mamish, his Shabbos Kaida, he's floating. You know, he's not, he doesn't sing Lechadaydi the highest in the room. <laughs> he's floating. You're just clueless. You, you, don't know, you don't know the world you live in. You're, you're out to lunch. Bidairaisav means that the response to a generation of difficulty, of access, of exposure, of the mall is a dangerous place. You have no choice but to find real things. You have no choice to find things that are meaningful, that are passionate, that matter a lot to you, and you feel strongly, but you have no choice but that. If somebody feels sorry, I don't look at us guys and say, I feel so bad. I say, I feel so lucky. We're in a generation with the no choice but to do what's right. That's not to do what's right. No choice to be, to be on fire. 
I have told, guys have told me they have a handicap, they have ADHD. Do you know about ADHD? ADHD is that you're, that monotonous, boring task, you can't listen to. ADHD, people think can't focus, a bunch of hogwash. ADHD guys focus better, they have hyper-focus. They focus much better, much. It's not even close. They can't focus on boring things, monotonous, repetitious. They need exciting, lebedic, they need vibrant, they need new, they need fresh. So an ADHD guy is a big messiah. He gets tired of monotonous tests. I say, well, so remember, we have prayer three times a day. Is the card stacked against him? No. He's the luckiest guy. He has no choice but to have a davening that's vibrant. A guy like me can have a davening. I go sit in. I'm there every day. You know, that nerd who doesn't have ADHD, he's there every day, on time. <laughs> the ADHD guy's lucky. He can't do that. It's either vibrant or he's not there. He can't do it. It's not happening. There's no such thing. He's not one of those guys for 80 years. He plugs in. He shows up. He's not like that. So he learns the power of excitement. In a marriage, a non-ADHD guy can be married to the same lady 70 years. They live in one house. They have no life together. It's a coincidence they're in the same generation. Coincidence. Not in the same generation. They're punked in the same house. They have the same last name. It's coincidence. They live that way till they each die. They cry at the funeral. They lived in the same house. It's not coincidence. But things happen, you know. <laughs> they're in the same house. That's how most people live. An ADHD guy gets bored of the old. He has no choice but to find freshness, that there's relationship and connection and newness. There's no choice. He's the luckiest guy. He's wired the right way to live in this world. He's not wired for school. He's just wired for life. The nerd is wired for school. The ADHD guy is wired for life. ADHD people are successful in life. Nerds are successful in school. It's an old story. And then the nerd spends his life counting the ADHD guy's riches and money and, 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 he, and he, he stands up when the godladar walks and he sees all the godless. An ADHD guy has no choice but to find chaos, to find meaning and purpose and freshness and excitement. He has no choice. He has no choice but to find that. Rabbi Isai, the story of our generation is a generation that has no choice but tzedkos. If you somehow feel sorry for yourself that we're, that we're here, I think we're mighty lucky. Now, I just say to ourselves that after that tzedkos, make sure you dig more. Because mean? it shouldn't remain just survival. My tzedkos was like survival. I would have been dead. Find more. Get, you know, find, there's more to go because you don't want to stop by Noyach. You want to be a tzaddik in Avram's generation too. So you seek more. There are ways. We, spoke, we speak about Shleimei Hadas. There's, there's ways to get more. The first way is you push it survival is Sidkus. If you're, if you're analyzing your decisions, what should I do? You have no choice but to be passionate about the right things. That's, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell the guy. You know? It's funny. What should I do? What should I do? You got to be passionate about the right things. Otherwise, you're finished. I'm sorry. What do you want me to tell you? It's like, so, it's, if that's painful, it's just true. If a guy in my class we asked, what should I do? There wasn't such a question, what should I do? Do whatever you want, I mean, you're fine. Today, if a guy floats, then what should he do? He can float, gishmak, you be gishmak. I'll read you my sister. What, what's the... I won't give my sister, the neighbor, you know. You can float, you survived. 
Today, you guy, any, any sensitive person, any authentic person, what, what choice do I have? If he analyzes decisions, he has to be on fire with meaning, with purpose, with a sense he's after, going after something. Now, don't stop there. Don't stop there that it was just a survival mechanism. Remember, you're mevakish ha'emes for emesh's sake. There are other things that shleime hadas. But I want to I wanna share this shadow of the altar because I feel it's so prophetic to our generation. And I feel that we should walk around with the pride knowing that we were born in a generation that there's no choice but to be passionate. And then let's find passion. I ask guys to make a connection to Torah. I am not talking about how many hours you learn. Everybody, each person, a master, to be a master, halavai. I'm talking about a guy that gains chiyos from our Torah. That gains chiyos, that's ignited from the Torah. He has a relationship to his chumash. His gemara is not his friend. He has a relationship. Learn till it's your friend. And there's, there's endless styles. Endless mefarshim, endless ways. Make a connection to Torah. Let Torah be a friend. Hashem's Torah, let it talk to you. And don't fall. What somebody says, isn't this word amazing? If you don't find it amazing, but find one that you do find amazing. The Torah is big. Hashem's large. And He made you and made a Torah for you. Find your chalik in Torah. Learn till it talks to you. Learn to, not to be a good boy. You never say, oh, I'm so proud you're learning. I'm talking about the Yabba so that you connect to the Torah. That you have this sophisticated conversation. You read a line and you know what's being said. You have an opinion and it spoke to you and you understand what's being said to you. You study it, you learn it, you understand it. I ask the Chavra to make a connection to Torah. That's what we mean, a connection. We're saying something, connection. It's not how many hours you do it. It's how related to the Torah are you. Make a relationship to Torah. We have no choice. To prayer, form a relationship to prayer. It takes time. Relationships are built. Form a relationship to prayer. Come to prayer, step one. It's normal. I feel bored if I'm walking into a room. Slowly build something. You and God, build it. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's rewarding. It's meaningful. Build a relationship. Come to prayers and then start developing. You're in a place. You're not punished, not detention. We're not, there's no guns over here. Nobody's, it's in a place where a guy can take himself and form a relationship to prayer. But it's meaningful to him is prayers. It's meaningful to him, his prayers. It's a guy who checks in daily to shul, and he prays, and he talks, and it takes time. Some days he feels like that was, I don't know, I didn't feel it. That's normal too. But he's working on it. He's working. He's working, understanding something's what he's saying, slowly forming, getting better at it. There was a yid who was stuck in jail. Rav Yosef Mendelovich was stuck in jail for 12 years. One of the biggest things he did in a Russian jail, he became from in prison much. He became a Ben Torah. He was working on davening for 12 years straight. He describes how his prayers got more and more sophisticated. He was staying. He didn't know much. He couldn't learn by heart. He didn't know much Torah. He was working on prayers. And daily he was getting more sophisticated. By the end of the 12 years, him and God were mamish. They were best friends. They were best friends. My grandmother went to public school. She prayed. She was best friends with Hashem. She was best friends with Hashem. Mamish, best friends. Her and Hashem, wow. Mamish, none. She was close. This is stuff we're capable of. We're capable of. School teachers, gun to the head. You be a good boy. Don't you dare misbehave and detention if you miss. Okay? Okay, but that doesn't work in our generation because then I'll do stuff that you wouldn't believe. That will rip up all the prayers anyway. You need to form something meaningful and real. 
something that's passionate, something that's deep. So form a relationship to prayer. First get there. Let's get there. I'm there. I'm structured. But then let's get deeper and better. Let's form a relationship. We have no choice but to form meaningful relationship to prayer. To get tired that it means to us, that it's, that it's important to me, that I have a relationship to Torah. Midas, Abaydas Hashem is, 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 is something meaningful to me. Form Shabbos. Get Shabbos special. Be smart. Do smart things. Watch young Bacher. Make Shabbos meaningful in your life. It takes time. People have a lot of baggage associated with Shabbos. Buy a nice food, look covered Shabbos. Be smart. Get a good drink, look covered. Not that type of drink. Get a good caffeine drink for Shabbos. Get some good candy. Get a good, some good schmoozing with friends. Form a relationship. Shabbos Kaddish. Because I want Shabbos to be meaningful and I want to hand my kids a Shabbos that's magical to me. Yantiv, let alone Yantiv. Geschmack, slowly. Form relationships. We have no choice but to build Sidka, something that's meaningful and something that's passionate. So that's the first message that I wanted to st- share with you that begins Parshas Nayach, Mamish, the beginning of Parshas Nayach. We were introduced, we were further told a little bit about, about this person, Nayach. I want to end, I want to end, we have, I, I will stop 4.30 mid-sentence. We're having that second say to 4.30. I'm going to even end before 4.30. Shalom will allow me one more thing. I'm just thinking if I'm messing up, the 4.30 say is very important to me. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay, I'm not going to tell you the answer today. I'm going to leave you with a question. I'm 46 years old, and I do not know what Noyach sin was. What Adam sin was. We're going back to Adam. I am 46 years old. I do not know Adam's sin. I don't know Adam's sin. Chava defied God. The feminine sin, she defied Hashem. She was tempted. It looks so juicy. Nechmod le'inayim. Whoa, look good. We all have sin, feminine sin. We desire. Taiva, and you give it. When you're criticized, like, I know, I know, I know. You really knew before, but it was so, but it looks so but it looks so good. That's a brand of sin. We all have had Chava's sin. The most dangerous sin in the world is Adam's sin. What did Adam do, my friends? I'm 46. I do not know Adam's sin. Honest, where did you eat this past Friday night? Moe. Did you ask mom if the food was kosher? No. I rest my case. Yosef, where did you eat this Friday night? You asked mom if the food was kosher? Judd, where did you eat this Friday night? You asked mom if the food was kosher? No. Srilly, where do you eat this Friday night? You asked mom if... Mendy, where do you eat Friday night? You asked mom if the food was kosher? So what do you want from Adam's life? Where do you eat Friday night, Mayor? You asked mom if the food was kosher? What do you want from Adam? Adam's wife served him. She served him a meal and he ate. Nothing different than you did this Friday night, my friends. How was he to know that his wife was serving him from the eight sadas? You didn't ask mom, was it kosher? I want to tell you, I asked my wife. I didn't ask if the food's kosher. I said, Rachel, if I would ask you if the food was kosher, you'd be mad at me. <laughs> I asked her, would you be mad if I checked in, if I started looking into the cashless of all the, of all the stuff? She was clearing. She was clearing. That's the sin. He didn't, he didn't take it. I think like if he asked his wife, she'd be mad. Chava, is this the Eitzad? 
She served him and he ate. What man has been doing? I don't, so the, I don't know Adam's sin. Tomorrow, it's, there's a lot written about this. Adam's sin is very difficult. I'm going to share a yalka with you tomorrow. And we're going to talk about Adam's sin. Adam's sin is the most dangerous sin in the history of the world. There's Chava sin and Adam's sin. Adam's sin is much more dangerous. We all at times in our life are guilty of Adam's sin. We're going to talk about it. It's a much more dangerous brand of sin. The dangerous brand. Stay tuned. 3.30 tomorrow. I sound like some talk show, you know. <laughs> I sound like Wednesday nights, 9.30. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I want to talk about Adam's sin, Chef. I want to talk, Adam's sin is mystifying, very mystifying. He ate the food that his wife served him. Sounds very innocent. That's the sin? I thought he knew. He didn't know he No. What does that mean? Adam knew his wife served him. My wife doesn't convince me nothing. <laughs> it doesn't work so hard on me. She serves, I'm good to go. Oh, the mate, what do you mean? His wife served him and shit. Excellent, excellent.